There is an explosive new documentary about the Duggar family from the popular TV show 19 Kids and Counting and the cult that they were a part of. And it just so happens, y'all, that I was part of the same cult. Uh, Shiny Happy People is the name of the documentary, and it focuses primarily on the scandal that rocked the Duggar family when it came out that uh, their oldest son, Josh Duggar, uh, had been abusing minors for years. Uh, it's a great documentary. Uh, it's actually the number one documentary on Prime Video right now. Uh, very, very highly bingeable. I watched the whole thing straight through. Uh, watching it did bring back a lot of uh, pretty dark memories for me. Uh, and at one point, I even uh, I broke down in tears. I'm, I'm I don't cry, uh, but this documentary at one point did bring me to tears. Uh, but I don't really think it adequately covers how extreme and extensive this cult truly was. Uh, and that's what I want to get into with y'all on this series about the Shiny Happy People documentary. And uh, to do that, I brought my friend with me, Bryce, who is also a former member of the cult, so that we can just kind of talk about it. How you doing, man? Former cult members. High five. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we've been through it, bro. Oh, my God. We have been through it. You actually uh, you actually made a surprise celebrity guest appearance in the documentary. I'm having my, my lawyer contact. I'm waiting for the check. <laughs> Your but, face yeah. popped up in this documentary. As a matter of fact, I think we've got a picture of it, Josh. Can you pull up that, uh, that picture of my buddy Bryce here? Yeah, you were... Uh, in the day. I mean, it was brief. But you were on it. Oh yeah! Look at that. Yeah, there he is. Not not the weird guy in front. The yeah. weird guy in the middle. Yeah, the, the weird guy right in the middle. Your face is a little bit obscured, but that's definitely you. Also, don't have a beard in this picture. No, no, that was definitely pre-beard. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, this is a, a special, a very special picture of you. Yeah, <laughs> because without the beard. Ugh, you look like you do some things. I like I like how you're just uh, you're just like oh no no beard. That's the big difference here. It's not that I'm half the man in that picture that I am today, but okay, that, I appreciate it's the beard. that. It's Let's all go with the beard. beard. Yeah. beard. So, uh, what did you think of the documentary, Bryce? Uh, it's a very well crafted documentary. You know, yeah. I, I thought it was going to be maybe too much focus on the Duggars, which was which it, it, I mean, it did focus a lot on them. That well, was that, that was the primary to. thrust. Yeah, it, it needed to yeah. bring the people in that are aware of all of this that's going on. I mean, they're the reason it's in the limelight. Absolutely. I mean, Nineteen Kids and Counting was a juggernaut on yeah. TLC, huge show, and we knew nothing about it. No, no, because we didn't have TVs growing. Well, up. we didn't we didn't have cable, but it was also it was like after our time yeah a little bit i mean it started i think while while we were still in i think so too but it wasn't what it was like the, they showed footage of their early stuff right and i was right, like right, oh, right. i didn't even know it looked like that back because then. they'd done they'd done it wasn't a tv show at first it was just like these limited series that they were putting out on discovery channel exactly and then it turned into the series well, it wasn't even discovery channel it was it was that other channel and it was like we're gonna show you open surgery and oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Some people with a lot of babies. Yeah. <laughs> here's this massive family. Yeah, that's real weird, and they all wear dresses. Uh, yes, not, not all, but well, the, uh, all the women wore dresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you and I actually met after I was already out of the cult. Yes, uh, well, but technically I was, still... I was out too. Right, we right. were both out, technically, but, but our brains were still very much programmed dialed to cult in. behavior. Yeah, well, and I was still affiliated with some organizations that were closely tied to the cult. Oh yes. As well. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how, how you and I met. Yeah. I, we, I needed uh, friends that uh, <laughs> were, w wouldn't need me to explain all of the things that uh, we grew up with. It's like, Oh, yeah. we're all exactly, neither, none of us have seen, you know, RoboCop. So it's just good. RoboCop. Right? Yeah. That's a, yeah. I mean, what are you, if you haven't seen RoboCop, exactly. you know, but yeah, I, it, and, and I think that is important. Right. And that's why we connected because we both had this shared experience that no one else is really going to understand because growing up the way that we did, it was crazy, but it was all we knew. And so to us, it didn't seem crazy, but to any outsider, they'd just be like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. Wait, you, you grew up how? Yeah. People very, even, even at a young age when we we're in it, 
you know, we were the kids right. talking to adults, mm-hmm. which has always been something that they held up as like, oh, look at our, our kids can just speak look to Look how mature adult. they so are. Mature. Yeah. And we're over there trying to give them an, an explanation of, you know, it's like, oh, no, we're we're homeschooled, but, you know, we're blah, blah, blah. And like, it's like we were trained as our own PR for our parents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that and that was a big part of the cult, right, is making sure that the, the, the kids were evangelists for the cult. Well, uh, you also didn't want to bring shame. That's true. That that's was very that true. was yeah. a big, you know, guilt and shame to very Japanese vibe. Actually, don't want to bring shame to the family. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you have to fall on your sword. Well, you would have to do something, and it wasn't going to be fun. Not that there was much fun, but yeah, you go to the prayer room. Oh is what you God. do? Yeah, that was well, you. That was me. I was, yeah. I was uh, totally in line. Yeah, yeah. You were, <laughs> you were, you were actually kind of a a model citizen of this cult. And, and I can't wait to get into some of that stuff because there's just so much. And, and that's what, that's what I felt like the documentary didn't really address. They didn't dive very deep into the, the culture of the cult. Yeah. You know, like they talked a lot about Bill Gothard. They talked a lot about the Duggars, some of the rules. They did feature a lot of ex cult members, which we'll talk about that as well. Um, but I never thought really what they focused on was the abuse. Yes, uh, which, and, which was rampant. It, it, yeah. it really was rampant, truly. Uh, and it was horrifying. Um, but there's so much more to be uncovered uh, about this cult. Um, Bill Gothard is the guy. Yeah. Right. He's the guy that, that started the cult. Uh, and initially, it was known as the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the old school. The old school name. And, and he started doing these seminars in the 1970s, I yep. believe. It, it, it goes that far back. I mean, we're talking about 50 years ago when he initially did this. Um, so it was initially called the Institute in Basic Youth, Youth Conflicts, transitioned into the Institute in Basic Life Principles. Mm-hmm. And they were doing these seminars um, and outreach programs all over the country and actually all over the world as well. Um, so and just so that everybody understands, when we say a seminar, if you're thinking like, oh, you show up on a Tuesday night for a couple hours and you go home. No, 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 no. No. This is a much harder sell. You mm-hmm. are signing up for a week. Yeah. Uh, really six days, if I remember correctly. Of straight through seminars. So it's every night, like three hours. Uh-huh. And then on Saturdays, like it's all day on Saturday. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you pay money. Everybody has to pay money. Yep. Get their little booklet. And it's expensive too. Yes. Very expensive. I mean, a lot of families struggled to be able to pay to go to these seminars, but they were so loyal uh, to Bill Gothard that, I mean, they would sacrifice anything to be at his seminars. Like their children. That too, yeah. Um, So it's this outreach program that he had, and it was aimed at uh, fundamental Christians uh, and ultimately the homeschool groups. Yes. Right? Homeschoolers. It was a mass. I don't think people understand how big a part of the homeschool movement IBLP was. Well, I mean, back in the day, it wasn't even legal. To homeschool. I know. Yeah. 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 I was, I was illegal until like the last four years it had become legal or something. That's a really good point because for a long time that was considered truancy from school. Uh, and they could take you away from your parents. They could arrest your parents. Oh Um, yeah. We, we were not allowed to play in the front lawn during school hours. Correct. And you had to go to the store after normal school hours. So no one would question, Hey, why are these kids not in school? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so IBLP was just a huge part of this movement. And the homeschool movement really started like in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I think the, the cult itself, the seminars were in their heyday in like the 70s and 80s. They really were. But the cult itself, I feel like was was at its most powerful in the 90s and early 2000s. Well, once they integrated the the homeschool aspect, they they got like a shot in the arm. It like because yeah. it was I think it was probably kind of plateaued. Right. And then he's like, "Oh, let's let's do this." And mm-hmm. people latched onto it cuz you know, one of their one of the main things at the cult is, you know, this whole principle of authority, this whole structure of authority. Right. Now, if you're a mother who's homeschooling your children, the main reason you're doing that, one of the main reasons, is so that you can have control yeah. over what your kids are taught. You're scared of what the right. public school system is going to teach them. Exactly. So like, Screw that. I'm going to teach them myself. Here comes a man that's like, oh, and if your children do anything against you, they are rebellious and evil and witches. And here's how to prevent that, right? And, and here's and a the lot of times way to be. The, the, the parental, um, their, their motives were good, right? Yes. They they were doing the best that they could with what they had, right? They wanted to protect their kids from 
evil influences, right? Yeah. Uh, they didn't want their kids to, to end up, I don't know, drug addicts or, or whatever, even though a lot of us ended up that way. Anyways. I'm still uh, waiting on that <laughs> part of my, my life. I haven't You're quite waiting made for the it. addiction part? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've, 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 still, you've still got a little ways I to go. i got some time. Yeah. Um, so they, they had the best intentions, I think, a lot of times. Yes. Not, not always, but at least my parents did. My, my parents had great intentions. Um, and, and here was a guy coming along validating all the things that they already believed and putting it into a seminar and a program that made a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. No, it's our my mom, you know, they all thought they were doing the right thing. This guy came along and every single thing he said, you have to understand, he would point it to a specific scripture verse. Yes. Thus, everything was biblical. Correct. And someone like our parents were like, oh, Oh, fantastic. I've yeah. wanted to do this, this is anyway. Great. Yeah. I wanted my kids to really be more obedient than they are. And now uh, this guy is saying that God is telling us that, yes, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, it, it was the validation that they needed. Exactly. It, so it didn't take much for people to sign up. Uh, no, and, and it exploded. Yeah. It absolutely exploded. And so ultimately, Gothard, he writes this curriculum, a homeschool curriculum, and called it the Advanced Training Institute or yes. ATI. He right? loved these acronyms. Oh yeah. Big acronym guy, Bill Gothard. <laughs> yeah. So much. And I mean, honestly, like a lot of the, the symbolism and stuff that he used was very, uh, fascist in nature. Do you agree with that? Like he loved Eagles. Yeah. I, he loved I red carpets. Less fascist, more, um, nationalist maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the red carpet. It was for, weird for somebody that claimed to live very, um, modestly right and who also uh promoted to being you know a modest type not flaunting wealth etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. every single facility had deep red carpets right that we all hated because we had to vacuum them yeah <laughs> yeah every single yeah every single training center um but but yeah it, it, it was an interesting dichotomy that he had yeah uh because on like you said on the one hand he's he's talking about you know you need to live conservative modest life don't be lavish don't be showy flashy that's all uh ungodly right right but then on the other hand he's you know zipping around on private jets with entourages with him everywhere he goes it's it, it's it's interesting so he writes this curriculum uh and it's this bible-based program designed for conservative christian homeschool families yes and that's what really took off and uh the, the curriculum was packaged in these little things called uh wisdom booklets wisdom booklets wisdom booklets and and this um Man, it, th th those were crazy in and of themselves, right? Because oh, yeah. they represented these wisdom booklets to be all that you needed to get a, a, a full education. Yep. A, you know, kindergarten through high school education. All you got to do is go through these wisdom booklets one time a year. Yeah. And all of the wisdom booklets were based on Bible verses, specifically the Sermon on the Mount. Well, it, it was, it's like the Sermon on the Mount has uh, 54 verses. Yeah. And there are 54 Wisdom, wisdom booklets. booklets. Yeah. Because each wisdom booklet was one Bible verse. Uh huh. It, it, it was just the wildest. Thing. And really, the level of education that, that these wisdom booklets were actually delivering was, I mean, laughable. I can tell you, I remember one specific thing from, I don't remember what book it is, but in one of the wisdom booklets, and it was like eight pages on how to properly prune trees and plants. Yeah. <laughs> and it has stuck in my head. So your yard looks amazing. Dude, I, if I had one, I, I, I walked through, I'm like, oh, they need to cut those because that's, you know, that'll make the tree grow better. I, that's, that's the only thing I remember. Yeah, most of it was based on character, developing character, oh, God. right? Discipline, There's obedience, a, loyalty. Like that's really what the wisdom booklets were, were pushing. Yeah. It wasn't, Hey, you need to know about history and literature and math and science. No, none, none of that, especially not science. Holy hell. No, can't can't be pushing science. That's typically not biblical. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was more so pushing this, uh, fundamental Christian lifestyle. Right. And, and the character, so the character quality thing is, was they, they latched onto that. It kind of, it was something that they developed and then they got a very response for it and mm -hmm. they're like oh well let's see what else we can do with this character quality thing and to be so everybody knows when they're talking about character qualities they're like these are the character qualities that christ exhibited right yeah exactly and then they had this whole oh, i forget how many it was like it was like 50 characters it was qualities. a whole list of yeah 
And, and they always had like a little saying attached to him and usually uh, an example from the animal kingdom. Yes. <laughs> loved, Bye. loved animal analogies. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was, it was, it was just really weird. But, but Gothard, he was revered by members of IBLP, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. The, uh, everyone called him Mr. Gothard. Absolutely. Everyone. I, I don't care how old or young you were. I don't care how rich or poor you were. You called him Mr. Gothard and his extreme teachings on biblical adherence, large families, obedience to authority. I mean, that was the big one, right? The, the you know, staying under your umbrella of authority. Oh, yeah. Uh, modesty, uh, sexual purity. That all formed the basis of the cult. Um, and, and the cult operated in training centers all over the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were dozens of them. It, it was crazy if you, I think at one point I remember when I, I wasn't just in the cult. I also worked for it at some mm -hmm. point, but I was like, man, there's like 40 or 50 yeah. programs, uh -huh. everything you could possibly imagine from music foundation stuff to you yeah. learn to be a counselor to a law school. Yeah. Like it got a little crazy there at the end. Oh, it was uh, it, it was pretty wild because they had established their own university at one point. They had that that pre law program as well, which was not accredited. It completely was, like, useless. Well, in California. Oh, it was oh, it was accredited. You, in could, California. you okay. could get your you could be you know certified to practice law in California, and then you would have to somehow get your your full Fig, however figure that works. out figure it out if you wanted I, to practice anywhere else. I don't know how law works. I'm, I'm not educated. Yeah, but I mean, their their whole thing was. Uh, stay out of the secular world as much as possible and only associate with members of the cult and programs designed by the cult. Yes. Uh, and these training centers, they were really just compounds. That's really <laughs> all it was. Josh, did you, uh, did you already show the picture of all the training centers that we, that, uh, that the cult had? No, I'm um, only showed up to here. I haven't shown her, yeah, her sh training center. Show that, uh, that show one. that training center picture. Uh, number six. Oh, that, okay. So actually, not that one. That's what. That's the Little, Little Rock Training Center. No, go back. Oh, this one. Yeah, number six. Yeah, show that one. So that's um, that's just a few of the training centers. You've got the Indianapolis Training Center, Eagle Mountain, uh, the Riverfront Character Inn. That was in Flint, Michigan. Gigantic hotel that was donated to IBLP by city officials, and that's how they got most of their training centers. They were just donated by. City officials, sit or or um, Hobby Lobby would purchase an yeah. old building and uh -huh. then sell it to them for a dollar and get yes. a big tax break. Yeah, Hobby Lobby was their their number one donor, David Green. Yeah, right. Now, and to be clear, these amazing training center buildings were absolutely unlivable yes. when they were turned over to the institute, and then uh -huh. were made livable by children by volunteer staff largely volunteer. comprised of children so volunteer wouldn't would mean that no money changed hands yeah. <laughs> but what happened yeah. is that our parents yeah. paid them yes for us to build these facilities correct because it was it was a training program apprenticeships or yeah a, apprenticeships intern whatever you want to call it right and and our parents exactly would pay iblp for us to go to these dilapidated training centers that they had acquired uh, to essentially renovate them. Yeah, it's it's a ministry opportunity. They even bought a full-blown college campus in Big Sandy, Texas. Yeah. Like, it was massive, and it was a huge deal, like, even in the news. People were like, whoa, these guys just bought a college campus? Yeah. Crazy. They even had, um, I don't know if you ever went to this, Bryce, but they had a uh, an annual conference in Knoxville, Tennessee. Sir, I was in the choir Oh, you were in the choir. Wow, wow dude. I was there. You were, I mean, you were behind the scenes. No, no, no. That was for the four, I went four years. Yeah. In a row. In a row. Family, okay. Family vacation, guys. We're mm -hmm. going to drive to Tennessee and we're going to spend all of our time doing this stuff. The and, Lord's uh, work is what honestly, it was. Honestly, though, honestly, I didn't mind it because I got to talk to girls from all over the country. So that's true. Not. There were some upsides. Yeah, I didn't. You, so you were part of the staff, and so you got that, special only privileges. Only one year. That was only the, the no four years as a family. Okay. And then I only went one time later on staff. On your own. Okay. And then I didn't. That was best because then I wasn't locked into any kind of schedule. Yeah, you. Could, I, I like helped out here and there a couple of times. And know, the rest of the time you were fraternizing. Like, I'm out. And probably defrauding a lot of young women in Knoxville, Tennessee, which you should be ashamed of. Uh, I, I, am. I, 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 I hope am. you still experience shame and guilt about that. I do. Uh, but those that Knoxville, that Knoxville annual conference, seminar, whatever you want to call it, that was attended by what, like over 40,000 people? 
Uh, yeah, the choir was like ten or fifteen thousand. Oh of my us god! All singing that I, one song, and they had it. They had it in a giant. I, I mean, we're Thompson talking about an arena. arena, Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah, where they do all their college basketball. Yeah, packed, packed to the gills. I said forty thousand. It was probably closer to like sixty or seventy thousand. It, it was. It was a lot. It was like ten, they always said like ten thousand families. Okay, each one of these families average four to eight children. Yeah, <laughs> not us. We were right. underachievers. Well, yeah, and, and and that was another one of the principles of 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 the cult was have as many kids as you can. We are trying to populate the world with godly young people, yep. right? And, and that's one of the things that they talked about in Shiny Happy People, the documentary, is that really the goal was world domination. Yeah. And I agree with that 100%. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons. You agree with world domination? <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. obviously, as long as, as long as it's me doing the dominating. Yeah. And not, yeah, not anyone else. <laughs> I'm starting my own cult, y'all. Let's do it. That's what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so, so they had these seminars. They had these conferences. They had these training centers. Um, and, and it was just all over the world. Yes. It wasn't just the United States. And that's another thing that people don't really understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was all over the United States, but they had training centers in Mexico. They had training centers in Russia, Australia, New Zealand, um, Ecuador, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about Ecuador. And, the, and honestly, we need to find somebody that did the whole Moscow thing because that is a that is its own. The little yeah. bit I know here and there. Mm -hmm. It was a boat. It was a boat? Yes. It the was, training center in Moscow was a boat? Yes. I did not know and that. My understanding was it was not very warm. Okay. It was on the river <laughs> in Moscow, not great conditions. I mean, we all know the Russians are amazing engineers. Yeah. And they build quality, quality stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a, uh, it was, I, I believe it was some sort of giant hotel boat thing. A flotilla. Yeah. How exciting is that? He had a Navy. Nobody knew. Oh, yeah. So, well, he had a whole paramilitary. Gothard had his own military, and that's one of the things that, that I'm going to dive pretty deep on as well in, in, in one of the, to, the episodes in the series. To be clear, they did not train combat or guns or anything, but not, they not were weapons. still very, very disciplined. They did train combat, though. I know that okay. for a fact. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, basic hand-to-hand -hand type combat. Interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I didn't sign up. Yeah, no, neither did I. <laughs> but that was, if you were like a boy a younger boy in the cult, that was the ultimate goal. Yeah, but you know why? Why? You ever show up? You ever see what happens when those boys showed up at the training oh, center? Oh, in their uniforms? That women the, do all, love a man in all uniform. All of the girls at the training center would just lose their Just swooning. Mind. Just, pff, well, yeah, because the, the, the paramilitary in the cult was basically like, we, we looked at those guys like Navy SEALs. Well, they memorized like an entire book of the Bible. And <laughs> their hair was cut short and they had their own CD. And maybe they had abs. I mean, you couldn't see them because you got to stay covered up. Well, but they, no, they, they definitely had the physical stuff down for sure. Oh, yeah. They were rock hard. <laughs> so. Much like you right now. <laughs> um, but one of the things I wanted to get into, Bryce, was just kind of like your experience growing up homeschooled and, and ultimately how your, your family got into the cult, because it's, it's so drastically different for every person that I've talked to. Like for instance, me, I was homeschooled my entire life. I never went to a public school, never went to a private school, but my parents didn't really join the cult until a little bit later. Uh, I think I was around like, I don't even remember. Honestly, it was like 11 or 12, I think is when yeah. they jo joined the cult. But what was, um, how did your parents get into homeschooling? Um, Somebody, so I went to public school in kindergarten. Wow, you sinner. I know. Wow, you were oh. exposed, dude. It's pretty much why I'm the way I am today. So <laughs> kindergarten. Now, they, and somebody there said something to my mother that you you can't say this kind of thing to a mother like mine, where they were like, oh, once Brandon's here, he's ours. Oh, once, once Bryce is here, he's ours. There's he that ours. control. And I'm like, she was like, what? my baby you know and oh, um, no you didn't so the next thing you know we go to like a very tiny christian school okay um and it had the curriculum they used was very easy mm -hmm. so i am one that loves to goof off sure and i would goof off and play in my little cubicle all day and this was in like first grade right yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay but so we you would, were being a kid yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the but basically, my, my sister and I would win all the awards, the academic awards, mm -hmm. even though we weren't goofing off. So they were like, "Oh, this is too easy. Let's take them out. Let's do let's do we'll homeschool. It's cheaper, also." Yeah. So they did that, and then at some point, we met another homeschool family that was like, "You should check this out." 
and it was IBLP. And my mother was like, oh, I went to that seminar when I was, you know, in my 20s or whatever. Oh, your mom had been to a seminar, like, before she ever had kids. Yes. So she had a very early exposure to IBLP and Bill Gothard. Yes. Interesting. I didn't know that, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Okay. She was like, oh, awesome. You know, this was before the internet, so it's not like you could just find out what they're doing. So then they, they, you know, and we're, we're young. I, I think I was like 10, maybe okay. I'm not sure how old I was. And next thing you know, we're like, oh, we're doing this. And we're like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. It was the wisdom booklets. Here we go. Wisdom booklets. And you know, we all had supplementary curriculum as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, now, was your experience like, well, actually no, because you still went to like a, a, a regular church, right? That was the weird part. Like, so as we were saying earlier, like, a lot of people got involved in the same way and for the yeah. same reasons, but the experiences that everybody had vastly, vastly different. different. Yeah, mm-hmm. Most of the people in this organization would go to a very tiny church made uh-huh. up of almost exclusively other institute people right? or institute-leaning people. We went to like a First Baptist church. Okay. So we're like super conservative, and First Baptist church is not— it's pretty loosey goosey. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot, there's a lot of fun. <laughs> they have youth groups. Oh, oh man. Yeah. We had, I had a pool table growing up in the church, you know? Wow, yeah. dude. Played pool and foosball. It's great. Unreal. But I was also very, I could not relate to these. I mean, it was good that I yeah. was mixed in with these people. You I, had some socialization. Yeah. Right. I would watch the movies about what high school was like, and then I would go to church, and I would get to be bullied by those high schoolers. And I got that full <laughs> – I'm not kidding. I got the full experience. You like, may oh, not yeah. Have, I saw this in that show I watched about yeah, yeah. getting <laughs> – being called all these names. Exactly. You didn't get that experience, but I, no. sir, was bullied at church by my fellow Christians. It was great. Wow. Loved it. See, okay, so, so for me – uh, when my family first joined the cult, uh, we started home churching, which is exactly what it sounds like. I was homeschooled. And then we also would have church at someone's home. It was, it was my family and two other families. And we did that for, I don't know, probably two or three years, I would say. Yeah. About two or three years, we did this home church thing. And so the isolation there, or it realistically was insulation, from yeah. any external influences. It was all people that thought exactly the same, that wanted the same thing, had the same goals, right? We were all homeschoolers. We were all in the cult. We went to church together. We did well, we did church together. And so we never really had any exposure to real life. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we weren't allowed to watch TV, but we didn't go to movies. Uh, the only thing that we had was like this tiny little nine-inch garage TV you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with the antenna and everything. And my parents would hook that up to a, uh, a VCR player and we could watch these, uh, these Christian movies, mm, the Christian, movies. the old, the good old, you remember, uh, what was the one about the basketball player that was sponsored by Chick-fil-A, uh, pistol Pete, pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah. So that was one of the Christian movies that I watched. I don't even know how many times. Uh, because it was it was one of the few that we had that was actually any good. Yeah. Um, so I I didn't have any exposure to the outside world for years, uh, and, and you know I would I would go to the conferences, I would go to the seminars, and so I would meet other people, but that also had the exact same ideology. Right. So yours was a little bit different. Yeah. Where you were experiencing other thoughts and opinions and people. We I, I got to be amongst the the. Heathens at the First Baptist Church, <laughs> the which means I was I was around girls that were not in dresses all the time. Oh, how tough was that for you, buddy? <laughs> a lot of prayers, a lot of, prayers. A lot of praying. And then uh, we had a TV at home. We still watched network TV. Really, we watched network TV um, every now and then. We'd get like a try cable for two weeks for free, and then my mother would like record every movie. So that we would, and then we would Great watch call. it later. Yeah. Uh, of course, those are all edited. So, mm-hmm. you know, the customers no are not there. Yeah. The sex scenes are not there. Right. And all of that. Um, and we watched movies and watched network TV and uh, didn't talk about it when we went to the training center. <laughs> right. Yeah. And other facilities. And now, we were very hard on the music thing, which was a big deal. Right. No rock 
music or anything with a beat well that and 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 i think that's an important distinction because a lot of people would just think oh they weren't allowed to listen to secular rock music no we weren't even allowed to listen to christian rock music you could listen to hymns gospel music and classical music yes those were the categories and that is what you were limited to she threw away my dc talk tape bro oh yeah i mean my if DC my mom talk knew tape. that one of my church friends let me listen to their dc talk cd oh i would have been immediately excommunicated yeah uh, but Amy yeah, that's Grant, how serious it was. Sandy Patty, get out. Oh, well, Amy Grant was just problematic anyway because she got divorced. Oh. And that's that's a capital offense. I don't care how bad or toxic or right. dangerous your marriage is. That's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, so some of, some of the rules, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, let, let's talk about that a little bit because we've, we've kind of addressed it. One of the things in, in the cult was that the women had to wear dresses. Yes. Because it was the only modest way for a woman to dress. You couldn't wear pants. You couldn't wear anything that showed any amount of skin at all because if a woman wore something that was considered immodest, like a pair of blue jeans, that could be defrauding to young men. Cause us to stumble and fall. It would cause us to lust. Yes. Right. If I saw your kneecaps, that could send me straight to hell. Straight to hell. Yeah. Exactly. With all the other kneecap lovers. <laughs> Special room. I think they call them the kneaders. Mm, it's um, very wheel, very yeah, weird. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting kink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the big rules, right? And that I think that's what, when you went out in public and people saw these groups of people just wearing dresses and, and the men would wear khaki pants. Shirts yeah, were always tucked in, dude. But we only did that when we were... At those, my family, only that at those facilities, at those events, because back home in Texas, yeah, we just dressed normal. Oh, your family did? Yeah. See, mine didn't. My, my sister and my mom always wore dresses, ankle length skirts or dresses. My sister could wear shorts to the uh, youth, whatever thing that we were doing, not on a Sunday. Wow. But, you know, like during a Bible study, Monday, whatever, shorts, wow. jeans, whatever. I thought, I thought. I thought you were a good person. I, know, I didn't you, realize you were so evil. Flipped the table completely. You were like, I thought I was the degenerate. <laughs> He's never even been addicted to anything. Did you, uh, were you allowed to wear your shirt untucked? Yeah. Wow. I couldn't even do that. But I mean, I'm, that's, I'm untucked wearing shorts and stuff, just casual, but oh, no. I still put a suit on, you know, at 12 yeah. <laughs> going to church. I, I specifically remember going on a homeschool field trip mm-hmm. and it was homeschool day at Six Flags uh, Houston, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because we were going to be around all these people. I was going to get to talk to girls. You know, I think I yeah. was like 13 or maybe 14 at this point, right? Um, and I had an outfit ready to go. Cargo shorts, Adidas flip-flops, Adidas t-shirt, Adidas hat. Bro, Sleep, I was... Sleeves or no sleeves? I was matched up. Oh, sleeve. Okay. Sleeve, yeah. Sleeve for sure. Not a whore. Uh, <laughs> but... My plan was I'm going to I'm going to wear this outfit. It's going to go so hard. This fit is fire. And then my mom told me, uh, you need to tuck your shirt in. How old are you? 13, I think. I never thought anything I was wearing was fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this one's clean. I was very conscious. Okay, you were fashion Uh, forward. I was. I was. uh, I mean, just uh, like head to toe Adidas, dude. I was the coolest of the cool. And then my mom made me tuck my shirt into my my shorts and I look like a friggin nerd. I wore a golf cap. Uh, for years, the same beige, just golf cap, you know, like like, like a visor. No, no, like a um, like a Peaky Blinders hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow! I was so cool. Oh. I, I thought that this is this is what put Brandon on the map. It was this hat? This is just like this is my look, and this is my this thing. is my thing, dude. And then it got stolen in Mexico, and I cried. Oh, got stolen in Mexico. That my dad was like, they took. Your shoes that we bought you. I was like, but my hat. But my hat, though. My hat. And he's like, those shoes. I remember getting in trouble one time because I was wearing a puka shell necklace, and that was too worldly. What? A what? A puka shell necklace. Remember when those were popular? Like you had the hemp with the shells, and it was like a a thing. No. Okay. What? What state was this? This was in Texas. Okay. This is a big deal in Texas. Um, but yeah, I got in trouble for, for wearing one of those be because it was it was making me rebellious, according to my parents. And that was that was the capital crime in uh, the cult, right? Oh, yeah. Is rebellion. Well, rebellion, drawing attention, uh, you know, being immodest. Right. Um, so 
what we're placing a lot of emphasis on any t- time that we were able to go out and like talk to girls. Yeah. So if, when I was living and working at the training center, if I got to, I got to sit next to my sister because my sister and right. we took care of each other. Uh-huh. And then for a little while, I couldn't do that because other guys that were there would use that as an excuse to sit at to the sit table next to girls. and sit with girls mm-hmm. at the table. It would usually be my, me and my sister and then a couple other siblings, you know, that we all lived and worked there. And so like, yeah, we're cool. And then this rando that's here for two months is like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to sit with the, with the prize over here. It's going to be, you know, we're like, no, bro, get out of here. You're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're really killing the vibe, like, dude. So it, it was a big deal. I and so I towed the line, man. Like I never stopped and talked to a girl in the hallway by myself. That yeah. will get you pulled into a room. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, you weren't supposed to talk to members of the opposite sex. Uh, you were supposed to keep a safe distance at all. We were social distancing before it was cool, guys. Oh, for sure. In the cult. Oh, if they we had were all seen about this, it. this whole mask and, and, and the distance thing, they would have been like, yes. This is great. You know what? We love this. When they smile, they do drop men in. We should cover the smile. Yeah. We could tell by their eyes anyway. That's right. Yeah, because they have the bright, shining eyes. <laughs> the bright, shining eyes. That's one of the things. When when I heard the name of the documentary was going to be Shiny Happy People, oh, I was my. like, how perfect. Plus, just the poster with the, the fake smiley face on it. Yeah. I was like, that's. That is right on the money. It's it's literally perfect because so, Gothard would always talk about bright, shining countenances. Yeah. Right? You need to portray that you are happy regardless of you being happy. Right. So that you are portraying the right uh, image for Christ. Correct. Okay. So because like, we, were always, we were always a testimony, right? Always. And we always wanted to point other people that looked at us or saw us to God, right? That was the so big thing. So they say, but if you really think hard and you look back at all of the stuff that they did, it's like, did they minister to anybody outside of the organization? Not so much. No, not real. I mean, every now and then they would. Every now and then, but for the size and the amount of facilities and the amount of money they had, like how much, how good, how much good could they have done? Well, that's one of the things, dude, is I, I read that, um, and this was a while back, but in the early 2000s, IBLP was bringing in revenue of over $60 million per year, per year, over $60 million. Yeah, that's not, so he had a lot of curriculum. Gothard did, yeah. A lot, Mm -hmm. okay, and when we say curriculum, if you're thinking that this is just like some thin paper with with staples, no, 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 no. These are full color, Mm -hmm. hardbound, huge books. Yeah. And the thing is, he had his own full-blown commercial printing facility yes so it was not outsourced Mm -hmm. so when you bought that book for fifty dollars uh-huh one it's 80 percent profit yeah tons of profit yeah plus how much are they paying the like the there's like one guy running the print show that's maybe making some money everybody else everyone else is apprenticing yeah it was all free labor Mm-hmm. That they had. And a lot of times it was labor that they were getting paid for Yeah, because of the apprenticeship programs. Our parents were, uh, you know, that's right. For, or, and when I was on staff, you know, they paid me minimum wage because they had to like, legally. Oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They still took out, um, like a hundred bucks a week for room and board. <laughs> that's awesome. Now to be clear, after I worked my full day in the office and then I went downstairs and I ate dinner, I then had to do chores. Right. And I had to mop the commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, they no, still you, took out room and board. You get worked to the bone. And I, I actually had an experience. I, I was sent to one of the training centers for a special program for, for troubled youths yeah. um, that, uh, that we'll talk about that as well, because that was, wow, that, that I, I think that's probably where some of like my, my deepest trauma comes from. If I had known you back then, I would have avoided you so that I wouldn't get sucked in. Oh yeah. Because I would have been a bad influence. 100%. Right? Yeah, because I was rebellious and prideful mm-hmm. and, uh, I was defrauding. And it was you, a whore. you were a whore. Yeah, okay, thank you. Put it out there. <laughs> Still are. Still are. Oh, thank you, Josh. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's true. Uh, <laughs> but so, so one of the other big rules um, that I know you and I have talked about this extensively, right, was centered around, and we kind of touched on it, but um, uh, relationships between men and women, right, and the dating culture within the cult. Yeah. And that to me was, they were obsessed. ATI, IBLP, Bill Gothard, they were obsessed 
with sexuality? Uh, as most super conservative religions yeah. are. I, I mean, it was it was over the top. I mean, it's a great way to control people. Correct. You know? And that's really what it is. Dude. And what always happens, what always happens is mm-hmm. the leaders get busted. Yep. Doing For the most depraved stuff mm-hmm. that they're not allowed to do. Because some of the stuff, if you if you hear what Gothard was doing. Now, there was one thing they mentioned that I was like, wow, I don't know that I even heard that that had happened. But a lot of the stuff that he did... Like playing footsie in the van, mm-hmm. or like his leg is pressing as the other girl's leg. Grooming behavior. You're, you're like, yeah. you're like, oh, that doesn't seem like much. He wasn't, you know, going all at it. It's like, no, 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 no. In our culture, yeah, that's that you're sent home. Yeah, with a scarlet. If you even letter. give, if you give a side hug, oh, boy. to a female, there was no touching. That you're not courting, because that's what I wanted to get into. If you give that side hug, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get punished for that. You might get sent home. Uh, you might get kicked out, yeah, uh, because that's how serious it was. And and all the while, Bill Gothard is grooming these women who are minors, girls. They're not women; they're girls, minor girls. Uh, and his brother was oh, caught man. up in this massive scandal that was more than just grooming. I mean, he was outright abusing. He was a predator. Yes, and he the, was. And the fun thing was, when did you learn that he had a brother? Once I found out about the predatory behavior, but. Were you in? The- oh, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. This okay. was after the fact. So, so here we have a guy who's run this whole program for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And he talks about his mom and his dad. His dad was a pastor, et cetera, whatever. Right. I never, ever once heard him mention he had a brother. I didn't no. know he had a brother. His brother was in leadership at the Northwoods Training Center. Right. I was like, his brother? That's his brother? Well, I, and, and that's that was one of the things that the documentary brought out uh, that I also didn't know. Not not only that he had a brother, but also that they were pretty much relying on Gothard. Like, he supported them. He housed them. He, he made sure they were taken care of. So they were all living off of, in a very lavish fashion, Oh yeah, living off of the cult. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got some fun stories. Yeah, from the training center days. It's 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 craziness to me. But but the dating aspect of this, um, you know, you weren't allowed to date. No, uh, you couldn't kiss a girl before marriage, much less have premarital sex. I mean, that was just right out the window. Good thing I got my first kissing done in kindergarten. Who, <laughs> starting them young, saying weird. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to be to, to be clear, I was also a kindergartner. Both at kindergartners. The time. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Well, you were in kindergarten. It wasn't a teacher. It was a fellow kindergarten. Oh, man. If it had been a teacher, I'd have been telling you about this a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Very on brand for Texas, though. Uh, But yeah, so there was was no physical contact even between boys and girls. Accidental physical contact uh, was just the, the... best day of the year oh yeah if you accidentally <laughs> got brushed against yeah yeah you squeezed in an elevator too much yeah you're like yeah. oh you turn it you we're touching shoulders right you, now oh they are making you creepy by by keeping everything so you know you're just like you're in an elevator like you don't even know what to say well they're also making you insanely desperate yes they're making you insanely desperate and it fits perfectly into the courtship model right yes because courtship okay so let's let's break this down for a second because this was the endorsed dating methodology. All right, so I'm the girl you're interested in. Okay. And, and Josh is my dad. Okay. All right. What happens? I go to Josh, your dad, mm-hmm. to let him know, uh, Mr. Kavaza, I am interested in your your beautiful bearded daughter here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to pursue a relationship with her with the intention of getting married. Weren't you the kid that was in there? Hey, whoa. No, <laughs> none of that's true. Those are all rumors. <laughs> Do I yeah. have any input in this? <laughs> well, me and Bill are like this, so I'm going to ask Bill and we're going to find out. You're just going to find out from Gothard, yeah. Yep. Uh, if Mr. Gothard, you would see you're, you're obviously yeah. a no, fake no, no, dad. No, 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 I'm at the top. I'm, oh, me, you're at the me top. Me and Bill are like the, yeah, yeah, yeah you I'm guys his are other tight. brother. He doesn't even, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You even know that. If I have blonde hair and curls, he's going to say, no, he needs to come to headquarters. That's right. But she needs to come to headquarters. Yes. But yeah, the, uh, it, perfect point that Bryce made there. Uh, the girl had no say in it mm-hmm. whatsoever. I could have been this just dog ugly creep. Talk to the dad. The dad's like, 
seems seems valid. Yeah, checks I, out. I think that I think this is also another one of those areas where it's going to be wildly varied. Where there's going to be a majority of people that they were really serious and really like we're going down the courtship path. Then mm-hmm. yes, the woman's going to have very little say. Yeah, not. And here's the other part of it. It's not that she, if she had a protest, if she didn't want to do this, but if this guy that was being put forth fit mm-hmm. into what they thought and were looking for, she wouldn't protest because it's like, well, this is what's supposed to happen. This is what they, this is what we were indoctrinated for. Yeah. She's right? like, okay, well, this is happening now. Cool. Well, my dad is the head of the household. I have to operate under my umbrella of authority, right? Um, My dad is the family leader. Mom's subservient to the dad. Children are subservient to the dad. So if dad thinks that this is the right idea, well, then I got to line up under that umbrella because if I drift out from underneath that umbrella of authority, well, then you're not in God's will. I'm probably, I'll I'll probably just disappear off the earth. You'll you'll burn. You'll you'll be a forever, whatever. It's it's just, there's so much emphasis and shame and things put you have to be in god's will and and if anything bad happens to you at all if anything yes. bad yeah. then you are obviously not under the umbrella of authority that's it period Correct. No, no wiggle room that that that's exactly right anything bad that happened in life was either a a test a trial for you to you know build make your it character through and build character build and come out better right or it was your fault yeah, yeah, it was, if, it was ultimately your fault. And if you were to, if you were a female and you told your dad, "Is like I'm not interested in that guy. I don't like him." He's like, "Well, this is who God has brought forth, and if this mm-hmm. isn't, if you don't like him, then you've you've done something to upset God that He's given you this man instead of the man of your dream." But also, a lot of times, you, you know, everyone, like I said, was so desperate. Oh, true. This we, is an escape. Now I can actually live my own life and be independent. So yeah, I'll take whatever's available. And that really blows up. It's it does. One, one of the things that uh, Davey and I also talked about. It's like yes, you know, our experiences are different and our trauma is different. Right. We acknowledge it's not nearly as bad as a lot of the people we Correct. see. Correct. But if you really want to put another perspective, it doesn't matter how bad your perspective was. We were still guys. Mm-hmm. All of the girls mm-hmm. definitely had it worse. Absolutely. The pressure that they were under for what they were supposed to be and do, mm-hmm. which is, if you think about it, it's kind of weird because you would think there'd be a lot of pressure. Like, you got to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. You got to run a business and blah, blah, blah. I didn't get any of that. Yeah. No, I was like, yeah, you know, follow the Lord's will and get a wife. That's find a, yeah, find a good wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was pretty much it, right? But yeah, the 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 women in this cult, uh, I can't even imagine what they experienced. Yeah. Um, and obviously I, I have secondhand experiences from, you know, so, some friends that I have that, that are female that were in this cult and they, they were just, I mean, horrifically abused, not, not always physically, but I, I mean, psychologically, yes, emotionally. I, I mean, it was intense for them. Well, you know, another, I keep thinking of things as we talk, but like, um, so there's a lot of leadership all throughout the institute, because Gothard's only one man. Right. And he pretty much was at headquarters, and then if he wasn't at headquarters, he was traveling around and doing this and that, but there was a lot of facilities out there that were their own micro-kingdoms of hell. Correct. And you could have an okay time uh-huh. if you were good friends and close to whatever dictator uh-huh. had totally cozied up to Gothard and pretended to be what they wanted, and then Gothard mm-hmm. said, well, you're going to be our director. Right. And then he leaves... Without any oversight, mm-hmm. and that person becomes just an absolute nightmare to be under. A tyrant. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there was a lot of that. Yes. And it was just the extreme of a lot of these beliefs that the people had that made it, I mean, almost impossible to live. Well, uh, Davey, when, when you wanted to get a position, uh, did they you know look at your resume and consider <laughs> if you were qualified to do... That kind of administration. Of course not. <laughs> what about what about a qualified to run like a commercial kitchen that had to cook for eighty to two hundred people a day? Didn't matter. Uh, maintenance. Where you need to have some sort of electrical. Who license. do you know? And how bright does your face appear to me? How many children do you have that, that can too. work in the department for mm-hmm. free? Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that was you know they like we said these training centers were were primarily staffed by volunteers. And they were run by families that that lived at the training centers. Yeah, these are families that either a 
for whatever reason had lost a job and they were like, okay, we'll just serve the ministry, which means for practically free housing. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to work to the bone and be under monitor monitored all the time. But it's, it was like a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Prison, yeah. but free housing. So it's like, okay, well I can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, or some people left actual good paying jobs. Yeah. To, Work in the ministry. Yes, exactly. Because everyone was supposed to be a minister in the cult. Yes. And if your job was taking away, if your you know source of income was taking away from that, well, that that means that you just uh, you weren't Christian enough. Quite honestly, you didn't love God enough to give that up so that you could devote everything to the cult. Yep. You're being worldly. Yeah. And and another. I mean, it's not like he ever required sell all your possessions, give them to give them me the money, and blah blah. blah. He right. never said any of that stuff. Right. Um. It wasn't even really implied, but like if you went to work for the ministry, you just sold your house and moved into one of the training moved centers. Moved into one of the training centers, plenty yeah. of room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, even the the, the training center that, that I went to, it was it was run by a family. The the director of the training center, um, he was actually a really nice guy. Uh, but yeah, they they'd given up their entire life uh, to go and run this this compound. Yeah, uh, massive massive compound. Um, but yeah, so the, 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 the experiences that a lot of us have had in this cult, like you said, they, they vary drastically, but at its core was this extreme version of fundamental Christianity. Uh, and it was so damaging to so many people. I, I still, there's still friends, you know, fortunately you and I have moved on from, from a lot of the trauma. Right. And and maybe it's because our trauma wasn't quite as severe. Yeah. You know, um, well, I think that then this is a fundamental difference between you and I is like you had a very strong will. They never broke you. Right. I went into this program pre-broken. Yeah. Like he's ready. Yeah. Here you go. Do yeah. what you will. He's clay in your hands. Exactly. I uh-huh. just, I got in line and I'm like, here we go. Cause I do not want to get the wrath of my mother. So mm-hmm. I am not going to shame my parents. I never right. got in trouble. You never got in trouble. I don't think I did. I really can't remember a single time when I was in trouble. Wow. Okay. That's, that's actually pretty impressive because I feel like everyone got in trouble at some point, but, but maybe that was, again, that was just the uh, experience that I had and the people that I were, I was surrounded by because I was already in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. showed up in trouble, in trouble. Yeah. I worked my way onto staff and then the last couple of years on staff, I started to do things because I knew the the rounds and I was like okay I'm gonna take the projector into my room and I'm gonna watch the Matrix for a hundredth time because I only have <laughs> I got two DVDs and that's one of them baby well you know that thing backwards and forwards like uh, I know Pistol Pete Maravich backwards and forwards um, but yeah all these all these beliefs uh, that were you know essentially dictated by Bill Gothard uh, at the center of the cult it created this environment that was perfect for just blatant abuse across the board. Yes. Um, uh, financial abuse, emotional abuse, uh, mental abuse, physical, everything, uh, everything dude. And, and that's exactly what happened. And ultimately that's what brought down Gothard. And, and, and we're, we're going to get into that whole saga, um, in, in another one of the, uh, one of the episodes here, but he ultimately was brought down. This this whole ministry was supposed to keep going strong. It was going to be even more powerful. There was going to be more money coming in because we all went through it, and mm-hmm. we were all going to go get buried, and we were all going to have our 5 to 18 children, mm-hmm. and then we're going to put more money into it, and, sit, mm-hmm. and it's just going to balloon. It was this giant pyramid scheme. Except some of us got out, and we were like, oh, beer's good. Yeah. I, I like girls. I like <laughs> I like girls. Or boys, maybe. Or, or, or yeah, I like physical contact. Yeah, I, I like to I like to enjoy my life. Music. I don't want to be subservient forever. Yeah. You know. Um. But but yeah, I mean, it, it was just very dark and sinister what was happening this whole time. Um. And and a lot of times you didn't even realize it because it's the only thing you knew. Exactly. My mom once told me after all this, I was she was like, if it was so bad, why didn't you say anything? And I was just like. Because I was in God's will. Yeah. I was doing what God wanted, which was what you wanted. Yes. And if I had gotten in trouble, I don't know about, you, I mean, you were in trouble, but my mom, I don't even know what would have happened. My mom was pretty strict and, yeah. and, and she would not, if I had shamed her, 
I don't even, I don't want to think about uh, it. See, and, and, and my parents, they, they were very, very strict for sure. Uh, but I still, to this day, I still have an amazing relationship with my parents uh, because we were able to move on from a lot of that stuff. And, and this is such a weird flip-flop. So, like, he grew up super strict, no movies, no TV mm-hmm. shows, blah, blah, blah. I had it the other way around, and I'm currently barely talking to my parents. Hang yeah. on. i got to shame my mom. For okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh, so, this this documentary and, and you know, the next episode, we're, we're going to get even deeper into life at the training centers uh, because that's really where the crux how, of it was. How many? How long were you there? Uh, I was at the Indianapolis training center for, I was supposed to be there for six months. I got kicked out after two months. And then how many more after that? Zero. I wasn't allowed. So we're going to talk about my life <laughs> at training. Bryce's <laughs> experience. Two years in Oklahoma city and one year in Australia. It's going to be a good time. Y'all. I wrote some questions down. Here, oh, you've got some questions. Well, I, I also wanted to briefly mention about the documentary. There are, there are a lot of people, a lot of ex-cult members that are featured in the documentary. And Josh, I've got a couple pictures here. One of those, uh, one of the, the, the women that's featured in the documentary uh, is a lady named Laura Smith. Oh, yes. Um, she, is, she is featured heavily. Uh, they interview her. She talks a lot about her experience, some of the abuse that she went through. Uh, this is actually a lady that I had a, uh, a uh, romantic engagement with uh, for a brief period of time. Uh, but, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well, because seeing her in this documentary brought back so much for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't meet her until after I was already out of the cult. So Same. that, that makes it very interesting as well. And there's another lady that, that you knew personally, yes. Bryce, uh, this is Lindsay Williams, yes. right? She's also featured extremely prominently in the documentary. And, uh, I think you actually worked with her at one of the training centers. A little bit. I worked with her. Mm -hmm. Um, the Laura I met after when those of us that were out of the, when we were, it's not that we were out of the program so much as that we were now adults Mm -hmm. and we were working because we wanted to have like a car and money and stuff. You you needed, you needed to survive. And then we would connect with other people so that we would have people to talk to and they weren't like, Oh, so where did you go to high school? Like, uh-huh. oh, crap. Uh, yeah. Well, let me make something up here. Uh, where are we? Not something close. So I, we met, I met Laura and like we hung out with her and some other people yeah. briefly. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, I knew from here in Texas and we, we worked at one of the uh, seminars. Ah. You know, she was in the uh, children's Institute. And okay. I was in the children's Institute, but I, they, they took one look at me and they're like, uh, you can hand out materials. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do not let him in charge of the children. To the kids. He needs to give it away from the children. <laughs> so we'll, I think uh, he's seen Adam Sandler movies. We don't need this <laughs> type of influence. This guy's definitely watched Big Daddy. Mm, he's out. Bad. Um, so we're going to get into uh, the relationship that I had with, with Laura Smith, uh, who's featured in the documentary. And then we'll talk a little bit about Lindsay as well, as well as some of the other people that, that are part of this documentary that I'm... I didn't know personally, but I'm, I'm familiar with, um, and, and then as well, some of the, um, some of the additional stuff that came out after the fact with the, uh, recovering grace website, oh, yeah. which is mentioned in the documentary that you actually introduced me to Bryce. I didn't know anything about it. Well, and you said, have you heard of this website? And it is explosive. The, the, the guy that started that website, I know very well. We were That's uh, is it John Cornish? Dr. John Cornish. Dr. John yes. Cornish. Uh, he's, me. he's one of the most fantastic piano players. Oh, well, that's cool. And he started this insane web. Well, I shouldn't say insane. It, the stories on it are insane. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's a lot. I, I can't read most of the stories uh, on that website hard. because it's just so well, brutal. When, when it when it first came out, I just started, I was like, this was going on? Yeah. I was I, we're just like, I was in the dark. I had no mm-hmm. idea. And see, my, the, the, the interactions that I had with Laura, the experiences that I had at, at, at Indianapolis um, back up a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Because Laura said a lot of the same stuff to me before this documentary ever came out. Yeah. Um, and, and I experienced it firsthand, uh, you know, living in Indianapolis uh, for two months. Uh, Producer Josh, you, uh, you taking some notes? Yep. Love to hear what some of your, your questions are. Not notes, just questions. Oh, just uh, questions. Okay. When did you realize you were in a cult? At what age? You know, I didn't realize until after the fact. Uh, I knew it was a religious organization. I knew I didn't like it, but it wasn't until I was probably, so I left the cult when I was 18. 
And I think it was probably like, maybe like a year or two later. So like 19 or 20 that I was like, I was in a cult. When did you start sinning hard? Sinning hard? 23. Mm, no, like oh. 14. Yeah. So 14. I said that just as another difference in our experiences. I did not have my sur- first sip of alcohol until 28. Yeah. So like yeah. I got out of this whole thing and I maintained the the standards mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah. For a long time. I like I fought hard against my impulses. I'm like, yeah, no, I got it. This is what I was Well, because you're still racked with the guilt and shame. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really weird thing coming to realize that how you were raised was just so foreign and in a lot of instances, just wrong. Um, I, I think when I realized that I was in a cult, Josh is when I was describing my upbringing to someone, they were like, Oh, you were in a cult. I was like, what? Yeah, I I guess I was. I honestly uh, don't know if I thought about it as a cult until the Recovering Grace website. Yeah, honestly, yeah. and I was like reading that stuff. This is this is wild. Yeah, it's insane. Followed by shame. I was a part of this. What's a DC talk tape? <laughs> uh, Decent Christian rap. rap. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Uh, they were the coolest of the cool in Christian rock music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could still sing some of them. I'm not going to. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had some bangers, dude. They, they and a couple. I mean, they were skilled musicians. They yeah, were, they to- Toby Mac. Toby Mac. He, was, he went on to do other things. He was the real deal. Yeah, he did. He did. Look well, him up. Uh, how old were you when they stole your hat and you cried? <laughs> Gosh, man, it was like 12 or 13. Uh, and, okay, that, right. and that honestly was a church mission trip. It wasn't part of the institute. Oh, okay. Because we went to a public swimming pool and be this negatives, and I just like I'll just leave my shoes and hat in the locker room, and they'll be fine. But you got to go to a public swimming pool and so, and see women in bikinis. Yes. Woo, buddy. Yes. Uh, what percentage was white people? Oh, the overwhelming <laughs> majority. Overwhelming majority. I mean, it, it was funny because I was watching one of the uh, the ATI promotional videos, and it featured a uh, a family of color. And I was yeah. like, I I never saw them. <laughs> I did. You did. So I was in the character first pilot project, and that was like a two phase thing. And the second phase, like they we acquired some new uh, uh, students, you know, ATI students to be a part of that. Yeah. They were they were. They were black. <laughs> we, we went out and found a, a black family. Yeah. And we're like, we, because we were teaching we in public schools <laughs> yeah. in Oklahoma City, which is predominantly not white. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. they were like, hmm. now they they brought to attention that that was not why they had been brought in. And we're like, <laughs> are you uh-huh. sure? <laughs> so the, the program that I was in, <laughs> hilarious, the program that I was in. So this was a program for troubled youths, mm-hmm. right? Uh, specifically boys. Uh, and so it was essentially a rehab program for us to go and get reprogrammed, uh, to fall in line with the Institute principles. Right. Um, and there was a, another guy in this program and bless his heart. Um, he, he was, uh, he was a black kid, uh, very tall and very, very mentally challenged, um, like special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one really acknowledged that. No. And so he was sent to this rehabilitation program with actual criminals. Um, and he's this poor special needs guy. Um, but I remember, uh, his name was Jelani and I was, we were working on a project. One of the projects that Brandon talked about where we had to essentially renovate new facilities. Um, and I felt someone walk up behind me. And at the time, you know, this is when I was 16. So I was already, you know, six, one, six, two, whatever height I am. I feel someone walk up behind me and I don't know what's going on. And I spin around cause I think what, what, what is someone about to try to fight me or something? So I spin around and it's Jelani standing behind me, just doing this trying to figure out if he's as tall as I am or taller. It's like, how tall are you, Dave? <laughs> like, Jelani, don't sneak up behind me like that. All right, buddy? <laughs> All right, two more questions. Okay. Uh, did the Matrix break your spell of the cult? <laughs> did you realize you were living in a simulation at that point? I was hoping that. I, I started doing this a lot. <laughs> Looking for the plug? <laughs> Could you load something new, please? <laughs> I've heard of this place called Vegas. I don't know. <laughs> Bill Gothard was just Agent Smith the oh, whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question. Uh, how do I join the cult? How does Josh join the cult? 
Well, good news, it's still around. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, even though Gothard got taken down, uh, the cult is still around. You're going to have to drive to Big Sandy. Yeah. Because that's where the conference is, because only about 100 families are showing up these days. And quite honestly, Josh, you need to have a lot more kids. Oh, man. You need to have a lot more kids, dude. But this isn't the one where you can have, like, multiple wives, right? No, no, you there's know, not polygamy I, how, necessarily. How far away were we from, like... Oh, I think I think that would have been like a progression. It would have started with okay. If you want the daughter, you do need to bring some goats or a small Toyota. <laughs> yeah. The dowry, and then <laughs> and then you know we'll talk about maybe having. No, you know daughter. what would have happened? One of well, the, I would do that. Hey, give me a Corolla, and you can have her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all we needed was one training center leader to essentially you, you know say. Hey, I'm going to take an additional wife, and here's why it is an acceptable biblical principle. Well, it would have started with I was fasting for a week. And yeah, I had a revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God told me that I need to have Cindy bring Cindy. Yes, she's my secretary. It's fine. She's uh-huh. 16. She's <laughs> going to be my new wife. Yeah, my other wife. She can't have children anymore. So you know, she's broken now. We gotta, and we I gotta, gotta keep I gotta this have wheel like spinning. Seven more, exactly. Um, something like that's not. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come back to you with notes on that, Josh, so that <laughs> yeah. I can. We're, I can get you initiated in real quick. We're joking, but we're not. I, I feel like that. That was not that far off. <laughs> um, the other thing that that we're gonna uh, talk about a little bit in the next episode, Bryce, is um, you actually uh, let me know that uh, one of one of the the couples that they feature very heavily in the documentary um, that was essentially a protagonist, I think, in the documentary, like kind of talking about how Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar were, you know, just really having a hard time and kind of being dishonest. And uh, this couple that they interviewed, uh, they are now in a a world of trouble. Um, I think that uh, it's it's Jim Holt. And, and yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I was his best friend, and then he started yeah. being all weird, and then he he betrayed me, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. And then I got that, I saw that link, and I was like, oh, this guy's also an asshole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's bad. I mean, and and they didn't talk about that in the documentary at all. There wasn't even a follow on to it. I was very curious. I was and this like, just came out on June second. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and they're together, but they're the. They're not actually husband and wife. They're separated, and they're like there's legal things. And I'm like, yeah, were, there's there's a restraining order in place. How now. big was the check? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Come on, Amazon. <laughs> so we'll um, we'll come back. We'll talk about um, Laura Smith. We'll talk about Lindsay. We'll talk about Jim Holt, and most importantly, we're going to talk about these experiences at the training center and how deep that really goes. And Um, I'm going to be laying on the couch for this one. (laughs) For this one, we might need a therapist in the studio, Josh, just letting you know, because there's there's high propensity for a breakdown here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll be back to sign a doctor's note. This is technically therapy and I'm going (laughs) to file it with my insurance. Uh, But thank you all for watching and uh, and stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Thanks.